So yesterday I was in jail. Uh, yeah, I know. Like, run for the hills. We need another pastor. I was actually visiting someone, and I've never been to jail before as a visitor. And, um, and so I, uh, it was all new to me. And it's, it's a jail in Irvine, and it's in an industrial park, and I was looking on my phone, driving and going, and uh, I get to the front gate where you'd enter, I thought, and it was closed, which is good for a jail to have the front gate closed. And, uh, and I had all these signs and all these different things. And I, I, so I'm kind of waiting for them to open it up. I don't know if I flash my lights or hum- I don't know what to do. And so I'm sitting there and there's nobody in the guard shack. And I'm thinking, well, maybe jail's closed. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't, you know, I don't know if they have hours or whatever. So, um, uh, I saw a little sign that said visitors. And so that, that, I, that applied to me. So I turned down this other side street and um, I get into this dirt parking lot and there's no like set places to park. So I just parked next to someone else who was parked. It, it seemed to work. And I got all my stuff out of my car and I was laughing at myself. Like, do you lock your car at a jail? Like, do you, like is it safe or is, is it not safe? You know, I couldn't figure out. So I locked it all up and I show up and there's this shack, like this little building and then signs everywhere in Spanish and in English. And I'm learning Spanish. So I kind of read those. I don't mean to brag, but, um, alto. Uh, and, and so there's this, this uh, line, and I, it says, stop here. So I stop here, and the uh, sheriff comes, and there's a sign that says, no, no articles uh, can be in your pockets or on your person, no exceptions. And I had all this stuff. I had my keys, my wallet, my phone, my Bluetooth. I mean, I, like, my, yeah, I just had a whole bunch of stuff. And so here comes the officer and I'm thinking, I'm gonna, he's going to arrest me because it says don't have any, no exceptions. And I look like I'm trying to make an exception. And so I looked at him and I said, do I just put all this in my car? And he gives me this like real, like, yeah. Okay, sorry. Never been to jail before, my fault. So I go back to the car. I put everything in there, including my keys, everything. I went to the sign. The sign said, you cannot have anything on your person no exceptions. I come back. I didn't lock my keys. I left the door unlocked. I figured it's jail. It's safe. Anyway, uh, so I get there and now I'm ready. I, I'm, I've obeyed all the rules. I show up and I'm, I'm ready to be frisked if, if you can prepare yourself for that. And, um, and the, the guy says, where's your ID? And I'm like, well, it's, it's, it says no exceptions, nothing. Uh, you can't come in without your ID. And I said, well, do, what about my keys? Can I bring my keys? And I'm waiting for him to go, no exceptions. And he's like, yeah, you can bring your keys. And I'm like, why do you have this sign here? It doesn't make any sense. So I get my keys, I get my ID, I come in, I show him everything. He says, get in that line. And, you know, he's got the gun. So I'm just like, yep, I get in the line. I wait in line. They finally wave me up. I say, oh, hi, I'm here to visit my friend. He says, what's his case number? I said, I I don't know what his case number is, you know. How would I even know that? Oh, there's a book over there. Well, he didn't. Okay, so I go to the book. I look up his case number. I get the case number. I get back in line again. I go in, and, I, and then they said, go wait for the bus. And so the bus comes down this 
dirt. Looks like, um, do you ever remember SWAT, the TV show SWAT? It looks like that bus. And I'm like, man, they're going to come out. Yeah, you know, I don't know. So um, the bus, I get in the bus, I sit down, and it's like, it's like got this U-shaped thing. So everyone's facing each other. And the bus driver turns around and he goes, you know, this jail has more germs in it than a hospital. Now, for those of you who know me or have spent any time with me at all, no bueno. <laughs> I told you I was learning Spanish. Uh, I do not like that. Germs, nothing. I don't like visiting hospitals. I, 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 I'm the guy at the hospital that goes to every Purell thing on my way down the hall. And so he says, you're going to get, you know, there's, I was, when I first got here, I was sick for a month. And I'm thinking, oh man, so we drive up. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to be covered in germs. I got all this stuff, and that they're going to arrest me, and I don't know where my keys are. So I, I get up, and they go, get in this line, and I get in this line. And so then they, I walk into this room. Has anyone ever been to jail? Anyway, because uh, if you already know this, sorry. Uh, they say, go to table 15. So I go to table 15, and there's four chairs at the table, and there's only one chair available, and the others are people are sitting talking to the inmates. So I have to like get in between them and my inmate friend isn't there yet. So I'm just sitting there while they're having a conversation and I'm trying not to engage in it. Like, wow, you know, looking around, man, this is really nice jail. It's really cool. I pulled out my license and read it just so I'd have something to do because normally I'd have my phone with me. I'd be playing like Angry Birds or something. And I, I'm there. I'm just like, C32. Oh, that's awesome. Trying to look good. And so then the, the guy next to me, uh, so they all leave. And then, then it's just me and this guy. And his son got 90 days for shooting a BB gun. Okay. So remember the whole, you'll shoot your eye out? No, you'll go to jail. Right? So don't get, well, he shot out some windows. But the point was that he, he shot the BB gun. He was there. We go, and it was, I had a great time, and it all worked out. And I thought to myself, as I was going in the bus back down with all the germs and the people, that's like visiting church. If you're a first-time visitor to church, your experience is a lot like that. Now, for those of us, we look and we think, what are you talking about? I know where to park. It's easy to park. I know where to go. I know where to drop off my kids because you've been to church before. And when I go back to jail, I'll be like high-fiving officers. I'll like flip out my ID. I'll have it all down. But because I'd never been to jail before, I was on high alert. It was very uncomfortable. I was sitting next to people I didn't know. They were doing things I'd never done with somebody before, like talk to prisoners. And, and so I, it was just very weird. This is what it feels like to visit church for the first time. You show up, you get on campus, you're looking around, you don't know, I don't know where to bring my kids. For us, it's like normal. For a first-time visitor, it's not. First-time visitors come early. They're usually sitting here. Nobody's in the sanctuary except for a first-time visitor. They're just kind of sitting there going, oh, what am I doing here? Waiting, probably reading their license. Okay, C32, you know, pull out the Bible in front. Oh, gosh, okay. So when we talk about inviting someone to church, for some of us, that connection from 
kind of what it's like to live in the normal world and then all of a sudden to show up at an event that we know for some people is going to be bizarre. It's hard for us to make that jump for, for them. And we often think, man, I don't know. They don't, they not, they're not going to want to come to church. What I want to do this morning is talk about how Jesus kind of plays into this whole thing about inviting people. And when we talk about inviting, we're not necessarily just talking about inviting them to church. You might have friends that you've invested in where church is just not the place, but it might be to your small group. It might be with some other Christians to a baseball game. When we, when we talk about inviting, we're talking about inviting them to experience some part of your faith journey. Maybe they've never, maybe you just pray for somebody. You say, you just, hey, can I, can I pray? What, I, I notice you've been struggling. What can I do? How do I pray for you? And, and so where this comes from is this verse that we looked at last week. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Uh, remember we talked last week, ambassadors make it known that they're ambassadors. When you show up at another country as an ambassador, you make it known I'm from America. If you don't make it known, it's a sleeper cell. You know, remember we talked about that? We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. In other words, while it seems so uncomfortable sometimes to share the faith journey that we're going on, This following Christ, while it seems bizarre, God doesn't have a plan B. God's not going to show up in their room as a ball of light and say, you know, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Okay, he did that once. It was a long time ago. He makes us his ambassadors as though he was making his appeal through us. That is a huge, huge responsibility. And so Paul says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And that's what it looks like. That's what being an ambassador looks like. You are representing the kingdom of God everywhere you go. At your home, at your work, at school, you represent Christ to people. And it's God's plan that you do so. And so what we talked about is this ministry of reconciliation that we have uh, for us here at Living Spring means we invest in people's lives. And that could be anything. We just get to know them. We find out about their family. We invest in their lives. It's not a bait and switch. We're not trying to find out something about them so that we can sell them Jesus later. It's we're investing in their lives. And then at some point, we invite them into some part of our faith journey, whether it's church on a Sunday morning or or Toys for Tots or the Be the Church that we do, some type of service project. We invite them. And then when they're here, we include them because they're not going to be on the same journey that we're on. And my friend, uh, Paul, who I just met yesterday in jail, um, he, he, he was visiting his son, and it was just so nice to have him include, like he told me all about the colors of the uniforms and what they mean, uniforms. Uh, yeah, uniforms, the jail, the garb, prison garb. You know, like, okay, they're different colors anyway, and they mean different things. I learned that because he was including me in all of this stuff. It was awesome. This is what we do at church. We include people. They might be, look completely different than us, act completely different than us, going through different struggles than us, but we include them anyway. And so that's our ministry of reconciliation. We invest, we invite, and we include. Now, I want to show you what this looked like when Jesus first came on the scene for his ministry. What's happened is uh, John the Baptist has had a ministry, and he's been preparing the way for the Messiah, for Jesus. And his, his sermons are very harsh. His basic message, his mission statement, if you will, is repent, 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. It's coming. And so that was his thing. And he, 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 he wouldn't grow a very big church because he, didn't, he wore camel's hair and ate locusts and honey and he was kind of weird, whatever. But he had disciples that would follow him around and learn from him. And his, he'd have this message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And all of a sudden, one day, Jesus shows up and John the Baptist goes, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That was earlier in chapter one. And then later on in chapter one, the same thing happens. He sees Jesus again and he says, um, uh, behold, watch this. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And Jesus turns around, he saw them following, and he asked, what do you want? Uh, If you read a different version of the Bible, what do you seek? Now, this is all part of the investment process when we invest in the people. See, oftentimes we're tempted to label people by their actions. We say, oh, that person's a partier, or that person's this, or that person's that. But in fact, everybody wants something. They're seeking something. They're seeking peace. They're seeking restoration. Some people are just seeking purpose in their life. It's vitally important that we understand what it is they seek so that we know what we can invite them to. Some people are desperate for community. And, and unfortunately, what happens with people is that we tend to, as human beings, act almost opposite of the way we should. If we, if we don't have any friends and we're desperate for community, we tend to be clingy and kind of drive people away. And, and this is just the way we are. It's our job as followers of Jesus to look past that and ask the question, what is it you're looking for? What do you want? Maybe you're not a follower of Christ yet. That's Jesus' question for you. What are you seeking? Why are you here? What are you, what are you going after? It's a very, very important question that Jesus asks. And so they answer the question this way. They say, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. They spent the whole day with Jesus. And I love how specific this verse gets. It was about four in the afternoon. So they'd spent the day with Jesus. It's getting to be later on. Now, what do you think happens after you've spent the day with Jesus? Watch watch this. Watch what Andrew does. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother, Simon, and tell him, we found the Messiah. That is the Christ. Now, Andrew was a follower of uh, John the Baptist, so he was kind of religious anyway. And so I don't know if Peter, like this was just another one of Andrew's things, like, Andrew, you're always, you know, you're first you're following the cult leader guy. and Because I mean, you have to understand, in this context, there were already messiahs that have, had presented themselves, and the Roman army had just wiped them out. There, there, at different periods over the last few decades before this time, there had been people who had risen up and said they were going to overthrow Rome. And so for Andrew to come to Peter and to say this, but here's the problem. He couldn't help himself because he'd spent the day with Jesus. 
I don't know if you've ever had this kind of experience before, maybe in your quiet time or after a Sunday morning or whatever, where you've just been like, you've just sensed the presence of God in your life. Maybe you're driving to work and you're listening to praise music or whatever, and you're just fired up and you show up at work and you're just like, I just sat in traffic with Jesus. (laughs) It was awesome. You know, I don't know. I've had those days where I've just spent time with God and I just had to tell somebody something. This is the inviting part. We invest in people's lives, but then when we spend time with Jesus, when Jesus begins to transform our lives, we can't help. Andrew does that. The first thing Andrew did was say, man, we found the Messiah. I spent all day with the guy. I'm telling you, it's way, way different than the other guys. This guy is the real deal. And then the next sentence, I hope is the thing that you just remember all week long. What happens next? It's just a very short sentence. And as you just kind of, I put it up there and you meditate on it. I just want God to just speak to you about this. And he brought him to Jesus. See, when we talk about bringing someone to church or bringing someone to a small group or bringing someone to whatever, Toys for Tots or whatever, we're not necessarily bringing them to Living Spring. We're not bringing them to our our small group. We're bringing them to an expression of the Spirit of God in the lives of people whose lives he's changed. When we bring people to church, we're bringing them to Jesus. We're not bringing them to church. We allow the Holy Spirit to do his work, and Jesus does his work. Watch what Jesus says. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated means Peter. Now, when Andrew brought Peter to Jesus, do you think he saw this coming? (laughs) That Jesus was going to give him a new name? I mean, all he wanted to do was bring him to Jesus to show him, look, this is the Messiah. I think this guy's it. I mean, we think we should keep our eye on this guy and see what he's doing, whatever. And all of a sudden, Jesus does something radically different. Jesus says to Peter, hey, I'm going to give you a new name. Now, we all know because we know the story and we know how it ends. But do you think Peter had any idea that at some point Jesus was going to turn around to him and say, hey, Upon this rock, Peter, you, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. No, Peter didn't know that. Andrew didn't know that. And a little bit we'll see Philip didn't know that. But Jesus knew it. I want you to think for a second. As you think about the people you come into contact with, the people you've invested in, those who aren't yet followers of Christ, who are just, you're trying to figure out what do they want? What, 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 what is it they're lacking in life that they need? We have no idea what Jesus is going to do to them. No idea. You think, well, I hope, I hope he heals their marriage. Me too. He, but the person might go into full-time ministry. The person might lead their whole family to Christ. So all we have to do, all we have to do is bring him to Jesus. Leave it up to him. If he wants to rename them, he'll rename them. If he wants to send them on a missions trip, he'll send them on a missions trip. If he wants to have them become Bible scholars, they can. If he wants them just to stay home and just be a better dad, a better husband, we have no idea. All we have to do 
is invite them and bring them to Jesus. Now, when you bring someone to Jesus, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go through the entire Bible and explain it all. Watch. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Uh, Jesus is picking his disciples. It's so exciting because up until this time, he was just Jesus. He got, you know, he's with John the Baptist's cousin. And we know, we know that, you know, he was, uh, his mom was Mary and his dad's God and all that kind of stuff. But for these people, they have no clue. All of a sudden, there's this guy on the scene that's beginning to start his ministry. And they get to be, have a front row seat. And so they, uh, uh, that he um, invites Philip. And so it says, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael. Again, what did, what did Philip do? He just spent time with Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. Uh, Philip starts following Jesus and is like, I got to tell Nathanael about this guy. This guy is for real. This is the heart of inviting. God through Jesus Christ, becomes real in our lives, radically transforms us. And we just have to open our mouths and say something about it. So he says, we found the one, that, uh, the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now what Nathaniel says is what we all dread to hear. What, what, Nathan, what comes out of Nathaniel's mouth is the reason a lot of us don't invite people to anything, okay? Because there's this thing in the back of our mind that we don't want to be looked like as kind of freakish or weird or we've kind of bought into that whole thing. Look, your faith is just your own. Keep it to yourself. You know, I'm, I follow this. You follow that. Everything's cool. We, we'll let everybody kind of have their own way. But when your life has been radically transformed by Christ, you don't have that option. We are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We don't have the choice to keep it to ourselves. Now, how we go about it is all different based on our strengths and our gifting and all that kind of stuff. It'll just be natural. But what Nathaniel says, I could just picture poor Philip going, ah, oh, I knew it. Here's what he says. Nazareth, could anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. It would be like a Democrat He's a Democrat? Let me tell you something. He's Republican? Urgh, I can't even believe that. It's like, it's like whatever label Nathaniel had stirring in the back of his mind, this was just kind of his thing. Just, ah, oh, you know, he went to USC. Ugh, you know, whatever, whatever your kind of thing that you can't stand. Nazareth, for some reason for Nathaniel, was that thing. Maybe they, he went to like Bethsaida High School and then like you know, Nazareth was always beating them and it was like CIF championships and it's like, yeah, you know, who knows? But from Philip's standpoint, this isn't going very well. <laughs> you know, and this is what we're afraid of. Hey, uh, Sundays, invite a friend to church, and so my pastor said we should invite people, so would you like to come? And you are afraid to hear, church, they'd kick me out if they knew what I did. Uh, you know, whatever the thing is. What well, chub religion, I don't know. You know, my aunt was crazy. She'd do all this dancing and all that. Uh, you know, she ended up, you know, being crazy. We don't, we don't know what's going on. 
You're afraid, it, 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 you don't want that, but he, here's the thing. Philip's response should be at the forefront of our minds when we're inviting people to any part of our faith. Philip does not start in Genesis and talk about the sin of Adam and Eve and how we're all born into sin, how we're separated from God. He doesn't do any of that. He doesn't get defensive. Well, you've never even been to Nazareth. How do you know? You know, okay, fine then. When the Messiah is going, we'll, we'll be on the, his side and we're going to come in and we'll teach you a lesson. Doesn't do, doesn't do any of that. Philip does something. He gives him three words that I hope we get used to saying. He says this. Come and see. Just come and see. For you, for me, when we think about that, we think about as it relates to our own church, sometimes, you know, when we have a visitor, we think, oh boy, you know, uh, you know, we tell them about the patio and all that renovation we're going to be doing and we're going to be doing all that kind of stuff. Like come and see uh, is like all of a sudden we go, well, maybe we should, maybe we should get some stuff done around campus first and then we'll start inviting something. If we do that, we miss the whole heart of, of the heart of God. Come and see. Now, why come and see? Because here's what that does. It removes all the pressure off of you and I of having to explain everything and allows the Holy Spirit to do a deep work in the person that's come. See, I don't get, if you said to me, next week we're inviting, you know, I'm inviting 20 people. I'm not nervous about it because my sermon's going to be awesome. No, I'm not nervous about it because here's what I know. I have preached sermons where I walked off of these steps and they were epic to me. My armpits were sweating. I was, I was like raining down fire of the kingdom of heaven. My points were just unbelievable. I just walked down just like, nailed it. Like going down. I'm like inside. I'm just like, now that was a sermon, baby. Yeah. Nothing. Nobody said good sermon. Nobody, nothing. Yeah, I don't even remember what you said. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? I came to Christ during my sermon, my own sermon. That's how good my sermon was. And nothing. I don't get an email. I don't get a nothing. And then there have been times my sermon's been so bad. I've been angry while I was delivering the sermon going, this is horrible. Oh, I'm so sorry. In my mind, I'm so sorry for these people. I want to go to the, you know, we put all our tithes and offerings in that box. I just want to stand back there. No, here, you just keep it this week. I, honestly, I, I apologize. I don't know. I was busy. I did my best. I, you know, I thought I wasn't. I sit there and I'll be giving a point, my main point, And I'm like, I don't even get what I'm saying. Okay. I don't even understand what I'm saying. It doesn't make any sense. And so I'm like sidetracked. I walk down the thing, walk into my office, sign my letter of resignation and, you know, get in my car, peel out of the, yeah, I hate this, you know, throwing Bibles out the thing, right? <laughs> On Monday, I'll get all these emails. Oh, pastor, the best sermon I ever heard. I'm like, what the heck? The best sermon you ever heard? It was horrible. I lost my salvation during the message. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What you know, now that I've been doing it seven years, I'm a master at this. It's not up to me to bring your friends to Christ. 
It's up to me to just share the word and allow the Holy Spirit. It's up to me to just say, come and see. I'm just going to read this part of the scripture and just watch. And, and, and oftentimes, someone will send me an email about a point I made in the sermon. And they're just like, that, was that point I, I put it on my fridge. I didn't even make that point. It wasn't even what I said. It wasn't even my point. Well, who were they listening to? Probably somebody else's podcast for, you know, while, they were listening, while they were in here. No, the Holy Spirit. All I can do is my best. All I can do is just share the, what God's shown me through the word and just kind of get it out there. But the heavy lifting, the heart transplant, the, 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 the stuff that says, you know what? Hey, your name is now Peter. That's all done by Jesus. Our job as Christians, as flawed as we are, as hypocritical as we are, as just kind of trying to live it, is just come and see. And we leave it up to the Holy Spirit. What we tend to do and what I tend to do is try to get it all figured out first. It doesn't work anyway. So watch what happens. He says to Nathaniel, come and see, said Philip. Now, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, there tr- here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. So Jesus looks at him and goes, this guy's the real deal. Now, You'd think Nathaniel would have some false humility, like, no, no, Jesus, you know, I, you know I, we all make mistakes, and I've made my... No, he's just like, how do you know me? <laughs> huh? Wow. How'd you know I was an Israelite? Of no, I, I didn't know anybody knew that except for myself, right? He says, how do you know me? And then Jesus rocks Nathaniel's world, probably rocks Philip's world. Nobody expected what was coming next out of Jesus. And see, this is so vital that we get this because we invite people to different things, small group, church, toys for tots, and we have an expectation of something. I don't know if you, you know, when, when I was in that side of the stage and not this side of the stage we'd invite people to church and as the preacher was preaching i'd be thinking in my mind oh no how are they taking that you know you ever done that where well of course you have i'm the preacher so you're you're like oh no you know he's normally not like you know you're you're trying to make it you don't have to worry about that because jesus is going to do something way different than you expected he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all you can ask or imagine especially when he loves the person more than you do so he says this to nathaniel i saw you while you were still under the fig tree before philip called you now we have no idea what uh, nathaniel was doing under the fig tree okay we don't know if he was sinning under the fig tree. We don't know if he was reading his Bible under the fig tree, but Nathaniel knew what Nathaniel was doing under the fig tree. The fig tree meant something to Nathaniel. Now, let me ask you a question. What do you think has a better outcome? You trying to explain why Jesus of Nazareth is the son of God or Jesus explaining why Jesus is the Son of God. See, G- Philip didn't even think to say, well, you know, Nathaniel, he even knew what you were doing under the fig. That never came into Philip's mind. And Jesus says, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Maybe Philip was there going, God, 
you know this Roman oppression. We, I want to, maybe Philip, in, in fact, he might be an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. And he might just be like, God, I just want to see your kingdom come. I want it to be restored the way it should be, that we're in our country, this land flowing with milk and honey, and that we are your people, and you are our God, and that you would restore us to your, the rightful place, that we're, the relationship we're supposed to be in. That could have been his prayer. Please, God, show me the Messiah. And Jesus goes, I saw you under the fig tree. Because watch what Nathaniel says. Rabbi, you're the son of God. <laughs> You're the king of Israel. Something about the way Jesus interacted with Nathaniel just got him. Now listen, how does this play out for us? We don't have to worry about, all we have to do is say, come and see. Come check it out. If, if maybe the person comes and they're just like, well, yeah, it's fine, oh, it's cool, yeah, it's good for you, whatever, I want to go back to whatever. But we have to at least give the Holy Spirit, a chance to do what the Holy Spirit does. It might be that, in fact, the Holy Spirit does minister to that person five weeks later with a remembrance. Maybe something happens in their life that changes and now they're open and they remember the time you brought them to church, you brought them to small group, you brought them, you prayed for them and they come to you. Watch what Jesus says to Nathaniel. It's so awesome and I hope you can get this Uh, vision for the people that you're surrounded with that don't yet know Christ. He says, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You'll see greater things than that. You you think that was good? And again, for those of us who've been following Jesus for a long time, we remember our salvation. We remember when God had kind of pricked us in the heart and, and we were like, oh, I'm free in that feeling. And yet now, after all these years, we're like, oh, that was nothing compared to what it's like to go day after day just having him by my side and knowing that, that if God is for us, who can be against us? So he says, truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. As Jen comes back up and leads us in another song, there's no telling what... Jesus is going to show somebody when you say come and see. And there's no telling what type of life transformation they're going to have for years and years and years and years. You don't know which relationships are going to be restored in their lives. You don't know what type of uh, people they will become. You don't know if God's going to say, listen, I know your name was Jack, (laughs) but now... It's something else where you're going to be a great man of God, a great woman of God. And you look and you go, there's no way I could, I could see that happening with this neighbor, with this coworker, with this fellow student. But he can and he does and he will when he gets a hold of a heart. There's nothing like it. Our job is not to convince them. Our job is to live out our faith the best we possibly can and the way God has shaped us. And then at the proper time, we say, hey, come, come and see.